Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. We hope you enjoy today's safety talk. Welcome to the Portage County Safety Council podcast. My name is Nick Coya with the Ohio Bureau of Workers' Compensation, and I'm here with our co-host, Mike Thompson from Portage County Safety Council. Mike, how are you doing today? Good. How's it going, Nick? Doing great. Hey, I'm really excited today to uh, record some new podcasts for our upcoming season here. And you and I were just had this really great conversation about dealing with frustrated or angry people in the workplace, or maybe even in, in our own personal lives. And, and how, when we get into this situation as an individual who's upset about something or frustrated, you know, our minds enter this fight or flight syndrome. And really, you broke down how we respond to that into three categories. So can you talk just a little bit about what those three categories are? Because I really want to dive into that, about how our listeners can really employ some of these tools in their workplace in their daily lives. Yeah, Nick. So we all know the term de-escalation, right? And there's all kinds of different techniques, like lower your voice, get the same level. And all those are great. But what we're talking about is when someone's angry or contentious at the point of, we're not sure what they're going to do. Are they going to attack us? Are you going to walk out? We're not really sure. And so I, I do want to put this out there. If anytime you feel... You, the other person's a threat. Please protect yourself, avoid the situation, and call authorities, call 911, deal with it, call security if you have that at your work site. Don't put yourself at risk. I just want to put that out to make sure that's not what we're talking about. When I'm talking about the beginning phases, when people start to get frustrated, they start to get contentious, and you start to see anger begin to rise up. Not when they hit rage. When they hit rage, there's nothing you're going to be able to do to talk to them. Um, at that point, you want to make sure you're safe and your employees are safe and all that. So I just want to put that disclaimer out there. But as you know, Nick, I've worked with people in really tough situations for several years uh, with the agency along with the safety council and homeless vets, homeless families, single moms, men's men with the veterans. I mean, just all, every type and shadow shape of person you can think of, you know, seven to 10 years, I was working with them in these support group type settings. And I, and they were going through the toughest, most stressful, emotional situations. So that resulted in a lot of confrontations you can imagine. Right. So oh, yeah. I've learned a lot in those years of what that looks like. And I've also went through a lot of training in the social service world that really hits on some of these things. And I'm shocked to see how much of that does not translate in the business world. So as you and I have talked in the past, I try to take sometimes these tools I've learned with the agency and working with the homeless and these different things and to retranslate them into the business world because they're so viable. So one thing that we notice is, you know, when we get to the point of someone's angry and contentious, there's really three things at play. You know, we'll go into a fun story here later, but uh, there's three things that are always on play. It's power, choice, and future orientation. The worst thing that you could do in most situations to someone that's angry or contentious is try to mimic the same anger that they have. We have these mirror neurons in our brain that want us to respond in the same exact way of something that's happening to us. And so someone's coming up and their arms are failing or doing all this stuff. And our instant responses do the same thing back. You're escalating over and over again. And the, the increased risk of serious physical confrontation is exponential. We multiply it by responding in a certain way. We become this alpha male thing. We think if we could just flap our hands a little bit longer, that other person may back down. We may intimidate them, but that usually leads to more, more confrontation. And so yeah. what we want to do is go yeah. over these issues. Yeah. Yeah. Just stack that frustration on top of each other. 
And, and I think, you know, it's really important that we think about this from a business standpoint, because all those things that you experience, right, in, in the social services world and helping people, those are feelings and frustrations that are building up and they're bringing into the workplace. And it's just a, it's a ticking time bomb sometimes. And we have to have those tough conversations with individuals and we don't have the tools or understand, you know, why individuals get frustrated when they feel like the power is taken from them, their choices are taken from them. And they're not thinking about the consequences of their behavior. But you really reformulated my thought process about how I have that conversation with them to empower in those categories to help de-escalate a situation more quickly. Yeah, absolutely. I think we tend to think people are thinking like we are. If we're not angry, if we're not being contentious, if we're not stuck in fight or flight, Nick, we think, let me reason with this person. And, and you really can't. Like they're not in the place where they're they're weighing all their options and consequences. They're in what we call the tyranny of the urgent or the tyranny of the moment. They're thinking in this present moment, all these different emotions are coming up and I don't have any options left. And so a person that gets in survival mode like that is not going to sit there and think, well, I don't like the situation. I'm I'm not going to walk off the job today. I'm going to I'm going to wait 2 weeks, look for another job, then give my notice. They're not they're not planning this thing out. They're in the heat of the moment, right? And so right. we tend to take our rational thinking that they're not connecting with and we try to like rationalize and it doesn't always connect and what we have to do is position ourselves almost like a coach in a gentle way and start to introduce these ideas and remind them of these three things, power choice, and future orientation that they're not thinking about. And as they begin to think about these things, then you'll start to see them calm down and start to enter back in the rational thinking. So it's like a mode. It's like when you're playing those, uh, they're, you know, shooting games and you're in rapid fire mode, you right. know what I'm saying? Strategy just goes out the window. You just go for it and have your guy run around spraying everything. Right. And sometimes we take that approach to de-escalation and it's not going to work. And so what we need to do is just, reintroduce these three things and keep these strings of mind when someone becomes angry or contentious that we could begin to diffuse their emotions as they go on there. You know, when you're in that high stress situation and you are frustrated, you're the frustrated person, it's nothing worse than feeling like all the power in the world has been taken from you and you have nothing left to do. And I think that's one of the, one of the areas to really dive into is, you know, what happens when we don't have that power? The power has been taken from us. The, the person across the table seems like they're controlling the field. They're making all the decisions and calls. And you, you feel like you're, you're really backed into a corner, right? You're backed in a corner and you come out swinging at that point. So, you know, talk a little bit about that, about how we can give them the, at least the feeling of having some power back in that discussion. Nick, all anger, all anger is rooted in fear, 100%. Now, there could be some cultural things going on and some environmental things that influence that you know like drugs alcohol different things and people you know nagging other people on and things like that but all ultimately all anger is rooted in fear i can't control what's going on right now and so i feel like my only option left is to muster up this rage and take control of the atmosphere physically and if i don't i'm going to be victimized so all anger it's important to remember that is rooted in fear and when you deal with the fear, the anger automatically just dissipate and de-escalate itself. And so that's that first point that we talked about, power. Anyone that gets stuck in fight or flight mode feels powerless. I've had numerous times 
where I'm working with people. And, and, and when I first started my job, Nick, early in my career, I was a job developer and I would help people return back to work. I would coach them. I would, you know, help them get interviews and they would come back and report to me and I would say, Hey, how's this going to kind of follow up them? You know, I had a lot of people in those housing programs that would get mad and walk out the job. And I would ask them like, Hey, what's going on? And they would say, Hey, I did the right thing. Mike, you would have been proud of me. I'm like, Oh, I would have. Tell me what happened. We're like, well, this guy was being a jerk. I was going to knock his block off, but I didn't. I took the high road and just walked off. I'm like, okay, you didn't have any other options. Your only option was to assault, the, assault your manager or walk off the job and quit. Who did that hurt? Did it hurt the manager that you quit or did it hurt you? He's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, who's going to pay your bills in two weeks when rent's due? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but you know, and it would kind of go through this thing. And every single time, Nick, they would say, I didn't have a choice, but Mike, I didn't have a choice. And so my job as a job coach would say, but you did have a choice. Did you right. really not have any other options? Instead of me telling them, I'm like, what do you think your other options? I guess I could have went above them. I could have went to HR. I could have done these. I'm like, absolutely. There were other options, but it just felt like they weren't. And so this is this feeling of powerlessness that comes over us when we hit fight or flight. And most of us do this, you know, and for tough, stressful situations, you know, it's going to be easier to get in that powerless state, you know? And so again, if we feel powerless, we're going to try to muster up power to try to get a hold of the environment. So one thing that we want to do is when we're working with someone who's angry or contentious is to remind them that the ball's in their court, that they have the power, that they do have options. Yeah. And I think that leads into the choices piece, right? Like when we're frustrated or you're in the heat of the moment, you know, or even, you know, just we're just working on a project and you're really deep into a project. We may not see the other options that exist around us, you know, and it's the same thing when somebody's frustrated with the situation they're dealing with, you know, what seems like simple options to you and I from the outside aren't simple options in the heat of the moment and they don't know what their, what their choices are. And so I think mm -hmm. we have to empower them. And you talked a little bit about that, empowering them and giving them the ability to, to make choices, but outlining those choices for them so that they know what their real options are. Yeah, I got a great uh, story with this, too. There's a company called Cincinnati Works based out of Cincinnati. Obviously, they're an employment agency. And they have a program, Nick, called Call Before You Quit. Call Before You Quit. Do you know, since instilling this program, only one person, they have a book out at, at the writing of that book, has ever called them before they walked off the job or got into a fight and actually quit the job? And, and this is unheard of in the social service world, right? They're one of the only ones doing it. You know how they do it? If they call... If you get in, so let's say your supervisor, you get angry. Instead of walking off the job, they say, before you walk off, call this hotline. They call the hotline. The person on the other end is a job coach and says, okay, I understand why you're upset. How do you think you should work this out? Is there anyone you could go? And they start to coach them through their options and let them know that, hey, you have choices. Because again, once we hit that feeling of powerlessness, I don't have a choice, Mike. I'm either knocking this guy out or I'm run, taking off. That's the only two options. That's the only choice. And we say, no, can you go to HR right now? Can you talk to a supervisor above their head? Can you just take a deep breath and go walk outside for 10 minutes then come back and maybe talk to them after you calm down a little bit? Let's work this thing out. That agency in Cincinnati was so successful because they literally figured this out, that if they could get people in the heat of the moment to make them feel empowered as if they do have a choice, they wouldn't right. quit their job. So their success rate was like none other job program out there. And, and so much so they made it to where if you don't call us before you quit, you can't work with our, we won't help you find a job for a year. And they kind of made it strict. But so every single person, except for one at the writing of their book that they have out called 
and they didn't walk off the job, which if you know anything about this world and social services, it's a huge deal. Now, how, how valuable is that to a supervisor or to an HR professional or to a CEO, especially in today's labor market where there's a labor shortage of we keep losing people because they're walking off the job. Maybe we need to figure out how to communicate with them better. Yeah. And in, part of that is knowing that we have to give them the choices and thinking about that before we walk into these tough conversations sometimes is, is preparing ourselves, knowing that, hey, I'm going to have some options in mind and I'm going to be able to give them, you know, some of those options because those options will define really what their future outcomes will be. And I think that's the other thing we don't think about in the heat of the moment is those split second decisions that we make in life. Not thinking about, well, if I walk off the job today, I'm not going to be able to feed my family in a week from now. Or if I act out physically that I'm, you know, maybe in trouble or that, you know, I make this poor decision is going to result in a long-term negative con con consequence. We're really just focusing on the immediate gratification. So future orientation is another piece that we have to bring forward to those individuals and let them understand, you know, let's slow down and make a choice that's going to be best for the long-term choices for you. And this is a little side note, Nick, but this is a good warning for all supervisors, HR, CEOs that want to retain their employees. If you offend someone, especially a middle-class person that doesn't deal with anger issues, that typically is not going to show you their anger, they will actually just get angry on the inside and not respond in anger, which is not what we're talking about today, but I do want to throw this out there because it's viable. And they will secretly, you know, the term quiet quitting, they will quietly quit and they'll start mapping on other jobs and they won't quit until they get another job. And you have no idea they're doing it because they don't want to tell you because they're afraid of backlash. This is a whole nother topic. But in the same way, if we're when we're dealing again to get back on topic with the angry employees and the contentious employees in fight or flight, are we thinking about our future? We are not. We are not thinking about our future. We're in the tyranny of the urgent or the tyranny of the moment, depending on what program you're coming out and if you're using COVID language, it'd be tyranny of the urgent. We're in this urgent situation. And all we could think about is I'm in a fire. How do I put this fire out? And we're not thinking about future consequences. So one thing as people, as supervisors, as job coaches, as consult, whatever it is, as friends to people that do this in their personal life is to slow people down and remind them of their choice of fight or flight what the consequences are going to be, because I'm telling you, even though you think they know better and they got a good head on their shoulder, if they're in that fit of anger or rage, they are not thinking about their future consequences or they would have never let them get themselves that far. So reminding them in there, Hey, if you do this, A, B, and C is going to happen. And yeah. also the positive, if you do this, this is going to happen, which leads into our last thing. Yeah. You know, that's really, you know, how do we tie this all together in a statement? How do we deliver this message to them? and make sure that we're covering all of our bases. And really it's, it's not as complicated as it sounds. It's a deep conversation to understand all three areas. The tying it together at the very end is, is pretty simple. I learned this line. I got it from Bridges Out of Poverty. You know, I've been a Bridges trainer for several years and people are like, what does poverty have to do with my manufacturing company? I'm going to tell you, just listen, it's great, right? So it's this one-liner that I never believed in until I actually used it. And it worked and I said, oh my goodness, I actually believe in what I've been teaching the whole time. I know it breaks every trainer law, you know, you first got to live the truth before you preach it, I guess. But uh, in this situation, I did not. It was a can training. And I was like, this is a bunch of bull hockey and it's not going to work, right? Until it did work for me. So the line, they put this together, power, choice, and future orientation together in one line. And they call it 
If you choose, then you've chosen. And how this works, Nick, if you have someone that's doing something, you remind them and you say it, the positive and the negative consequence side together. So you're going to say this line twice. Someone's in that anger, contentious stage. You get their attention. You say, hey, if you choose to walk out the job, then you've chosen not to be able to pay your mortgage and all these other things. Do you really want to deal with that right now? But if you choose to come back in here and talk to me, we can work out the situation you're in and we can see if there's a better spot for you. You know, and so you do the negative and the positive together. And what that does is it lets them know if you choose, what is it saying? You have the power. It's your choice, power and choice. Right. But if you make this decision, this is the future of what, what's going to happen, both good and bad. So if you make the right choice, you're going to have a positive outcome. You make the negative choice. That And listen, here's the funny story about this, Nick. I told you, you've been in our boardroom before, right? And so yep. we got this really long table, like 20 some seats around it. And uh, we're a nonprofit, so it's kind of old school. You know how it is. We've got all the fancy stuff. They got these, do you remember those bright orange fuzzy chairs, the rolling chairs that we have? Well, <laughs> when I, I'm in my 30s and I started first started my career out, we're in the boardroom and there's three of us in there. And I'm working again in employment and I'm there with the vocational support worker who helped me and working with him. She did a lot of the case management and I did more of the employment outreach. So we're in there with this gentleman and like he thinks I already talked to him in a meeting and I called him, you know, previously and said, Hey, we're going to meet to kind of go over the show job program results that you're a part of and kind of do a follow-up and see how we can help you. And he's like, well, what for? And I'm like, well, just to go over the results. And he didn't believe me. So he came into this meeting. He was already fired up. He came into this meeting thinking we're going to kick him out of his housing. I, I didn't even have the authority to do that. Came in here and he's very contentious right off the rip. And we're trying to de-escalate and we're going through. And then he's trying to turn, uh, her and I against each other. We're just kind of going through this drama triangle, which is a whole different podcast we're going to do in a, in a future episode. And we're going through this thing and he keeps getting angry. And I'm like, I, hey, why are, you, why are you so upset? He's like, because you're going to get me kicked out of my housing. I'm like, I'm not going to get you kicked out of your housing. I can't even do it. I'm trying to actually help you keep your housing because he was an employment-based housing program. So, so he had to be in some kind of program or actively pursuing employment to keep his housing. And so to make a long story short, he was not buying it. So at one point he gets mad, he punches the table and I was trying to deescalate the entire time. And um, he punches the table and he's like, F you, I'm out of here. And I'm like, I'm getting fired today. <laughs> the first thought in my head is like, I'm getting fired. What the heck? This is the first time it's happened. I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> oh, well, this is terrible. So he gets up and he starts walking around that large boardroom table. And there's all the, you know, like I said, there's about 20 some chairs around that boardroom table. So there's some obstacles in his way. He starts coming around. Well, he walks. I'm on the complete opposite side. He gets all the way around. I was trying to de-escalate. I'm like, calm down. Take a breath. We're here to try to help you. And he's not really listening to any, but he does stop himself. So he hits flight or flight. He he decides he's going to fight me because he comes mar he comes marching around the table after me. And the only thing I could do, Nick, is like, I'm getting fired today. And I'm not allowed to fight back. I already went through training. I'm not allowed to do any of this stuff and defend myself. So all I kept thinking about, because I'm a 90s kid, right? And if you remember, right. every boy's favorite show is Baywatch back then. And he had David Hasselhoff and Mitch. And Mitch <laughs> had that uh, rescue can. I just looked it up before we get on here. Little yeah. like flotation thing. It was plastic. And every right. time a bad guy would come up to try to get a hold of Hasselhoff, what would he do, Nick? What yeah, would he do with, with that rescue can? With it. He hit him with it. He hit him right in his stomach with it, right? <laughs> and he and, and then I was like, man, I don't want to do this. I'm going to get fired. I'm going to have to get my hassle off on. <laughs> I'm just going to have to Mitch this guy. 
with this like chair, this these rolling chairs, just like two left, and there's one right in front of me. So I just grabbed the back of the chairs. I'm I'm continually trying to de-escalate them. And my thing is, if this guy keeps going, I'm just gonna roll into his legs and trip him and run out the back door and call 911 because I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want anyone to get hurt and maybe lock the door behind us or something. I'm trying to like all these scenarios are running through my mind in this couple seconds. And so he comes around there, and I'm holding that chair and I'm like, Lord, please don't let him come any further. I don't want to have to do this. I don't want to have to get hassle off on him, you know. Although it'd be a fun story to tell. So he he gets to a point where he's still angry. He's got Clint's face, he's spitting, yelling all over the place. He turns around, he walks back around the table and he heads for the door, which which is closed. And I'm still trying to like calm him down. And another lady I'm working with is like terrified. And I'm just like, she's looking at me like, what just happened? Is he going to go on a rampage throughout the office? So he's like cussing. And I was like, hey, you don't want to do this kind of thing, you know? And and he's just like, ah, off. And then he went to go grab the door handle. His hand comes up like this. And I just say, hey, if you choose to walk out that door, then you've chosen to lose your housing. And there's nothing I could do to protect you or help you at that point. But if you choose to calm down and sit here and just work this thing out with us, I promise you we'll do everything we can within our power to keep your house. The choice is yours. The ball's in your court. You make your mind up. But if you choose to come back here, I'm on your side. You walk out that door, there's nothing either of us could do for you. And so we just left it at that. So his hand came up and it rolled dramatically. Like he was going to grab the door and like rip the door open. He like went, stopped. He turns around, takes a deep breath. He's like, walks slowly back, sits down and actually had a conversation with us. And at the end of the meeting, we're like, was that that bad? Are we that bad of people? And he's like, I'm sorry. And you know what? He got a job. We helped him get a job. And he went on to better jobs, making more money, out completely out of the program, not dependent on the system anymore. And that was the only confrontation we had of him. Now, if we weren't going through the training and that person would have became homeless, Nick, and I don't know where that man would have been, but now I know he's thriving and he's got a home. You know, I see him around town sometimes. He's still doing it. He's still doing it. But if if we would have responded, if I would have bucked up to him and tried to be the bigger man, like we see a lot of construction manufacturing sites, guess what happened? His life could have been ruined in that moment. And so how we approach people in these situations, it doesn't matter if we're the supervisor and we have the the right. I have the right to be justified that this man's going to come around and feel like I'm being assaulted. I could justify every excuse in the world, but that's not my goal. My goal is to make him a better person. I get to that better place. And so that day, this thing, this thing came up of if you choose and you've chosen. And I'm telling you, I've used it ever since. And I'm just like, it's made me a believer. And like I said, I used to train all the time and not even believe it. And I'm like, this actually works. Whenever I go to training, I tell that story to let people know this isn't something that has not been tested and tried. I've tried it and true. It works, Nick. Yes, it does. So really to recap for our listeners, then it's about power, choice, and future orientation and giving those in a statement back to the employee or the person who's in that state of fight or flight to really bring them back into the scenario to make good decisions, to really help both of you be successful at the end of the day. Yes. And Nick, what we're not saying is if you're at risk, again, if you're at risk and you feel like you're in imminent danger, there's times where I've had clients where I really felt like if I pushed the situation, I was going to be injured. They were going to be injured. So I just let the person go. I'm not telling you otherwise. If you feel you're in danger, call authorities, call 911. But there's a situation where it's not yet to that point that you could use these tools. Again, remind them that they're powerful and their decisions do matter. They have the choice to make the right or wrong decision. 
and remind them of those the consequence of those decisions, both good or bad. And that could help you de-escalate the situation and save some of your best employees. You know, Mike, thank you so much for sharing this with us today. I think it's a great story and it's a great tool that we can add to our arsenal. You know, I call it our toolbox that we carry with us every day. And this is just the first of, of many conversations that we're going to have around some of these additional new tools that we want to talk about in this upcoming year here with the uh, Portage County Safety Council podcast. I'm excited to dive into some other pieces while we continue on safety and really just human resource management and risk management. And this is part of managing those risks in the organization. So thanks again for uh, doing this podcast with me today. To all of our listeners out there, have a wonderful week and be safe. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. For more episodes, check us out on your favorite podcast app, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and more. To get new episodes sent directly to your phone or smart device, be sure to subscribe. To learn more about how your company can earn an Ohio BWC premium rebate by becoming an active member of the Portage County Safety Council, please visit our website at www.portagecountysafetycouncil.com. The preceding information is for entertainment purposes only. Views expressed may not reflect the views of any affiliated or sponsoring individuals or organizations. Listeners should carefully weigh information provided and seek advice from an appropriate professional before implementing. Listener discretion is advised.